Somebody say unity. unity. Last week, we, my message was on unity. I'm not going to have a long message. We're going to take communion. But I do want to, just some scriptures to highlight um, what I believe the Lord is talking to us about. We're talking about this whole summer about why Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave. Because unless I leave, I can't send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the guide, the teacher, the powerful one that's going to take up residence inside of you. If I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. So it's to your advantage that I leave. And that's what we've been talking about all summer. A lot of testimonies, a few sermons, mostly testimonies. Um, and I want to just kind of go back to something I talked about yesterday with the group that was going out. And you heard me talk about Ephesians 5.1 says, Therefore, be imitators of God. That should cause us to like, what? We're supposed to imitate God? We're supposed to look like God? Yes, we are. As his beloved children. And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. One thing that I think sometimes we forget, you know, when we're raising our kids, we're trying to help them be kind, right? Um, be um, sensitive to other people's needs. Don't be selfish. Um, we tell them, love your, your sister, your brother, right? You know, all these things. Do what Jesus did. Treat them like Jesus treats you, right? Anybody raise your kids that way? You realize that without the Holy Spirit, we're setting them up with complete fail- for a complete failure. Think about that for a minute. Everything that we're asking our kids to do is impossible without the Holy Spirit. We can train them up in the ways of the Lord, but if they don't encounter the power of the Holy Spirit, it's like a burden they cannot bear. So we're to imitate God. So yesterday we sent them out, and for that, Six, seven hours, you know, people can like be there sharing their lives, joyful with people, smiling and all that. But they'll only be able to do it so long apart from the Holy Spirit. This is the thing I I think we, we forget. You know, we talk about supernatural signs and wonders, which I believe is part of the gospel. But the fruit of the Spirit is just as important. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, is impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. So why is there so much division in the church? The Bible says because of selfish ambition and jealousy causes all kinds of discords. And the Apostle Paul says, have no divisions. Why is there division in the church? Because we're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Why do husband and wives have incredible discord and divorce? Many times. Why? Because they're not surrendered to the Holy Spirit. See, in the Holy Spirit, heaven resides. And now heaven resides in us, but the only way heaven comes through us is we surrender and submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You all with me? In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you guys could quote it. If any man is in Christ, he is a, a new creation. 
The Holy Spirit is in God's people. If the Holy Spirit's not in God's people, then you're not his, right? And you're not a new creation, and you're still carrying out the flesh. You're just trying to do godliness with flesh, which doesn't work. You guys look really serious right now. This is good news, because the Holy Spirit is actually available to us. And I, I just want to go back to Jesus praying for us because we're talking about, I'm talking about unity in the Spirit, unity of the Spirit, um, and what's available in the Holy Spirit that sometimes we're not exercising because we're not letting the Holy Spirit fill us and lead us. And so I want to go back and just pick up on this prayer that Jesus prayed for us. This is like, this is one of probably the most important prayer Jesus ever prayed that's recorded because it's before he's, it's the night of his crucifixion. It's the afternoon before his crucifixion or that early next morning that he's going to be crucified. And so actually afternoon, but he's going to be taken that night, early morning. And so he's praying this prayer and I just want to grab some thoughts from it. Um, John 17 verse 18, um, He says this to the Father, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe me through their words. So Jesus is not talking, praying just for the disciples. He's just praying for this movement of people that's going to follow him and believe in him. So he's praying for you, all right? This is, this is a prayer with you in mind. This is a prayer with me in mind. For I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. One of the hardest things for us to get our minds around is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's the infinite reality that's hard for finite minds to get a hold of. Anybody on that page with me? And there's a lot of different illustrations that try to explain it, like H2O can be ice, liquid, or steam. It's still H2O. Nothing's changed in its essence, but yet it's, the same, but it's different. That's a poor analogy, but it helps us like maybe, okay, maybe I can't. But these three persons are in such perfect unity that they're one God. And now he's inviting God to help us be in such perfect unity with him that it can be expressed horizontally. And, And this perfect unity is a gift. It's not something we earn with God. Right? It's a gift, something that he gave us. When we believed, he gave us perfect unity by the Holy Spirit. You agree with that? And so we have this unity, not something we fabricated. It's a gift. Now, this word sanctify is to make holy or consecrate or set apart. So Jesus himself consecrated himself to a purpose. Now he's saying, by the truth in God's word, will my people consecrate themselves, sanctify, made holy, set apart for my purposes on the earth. This is what he's saying. And then he says, just as you sent me, I sent you. This is a word apostolo, that sent word, apostolo is, is the word. We get the word, where do we get the word from? 
apostles or apostolic. Um, I, I don't know that there's an apostle in the room, but I know we're all apostolic. Say I'm apostolic. You're a sent one. You're a sent one. That means you came from somewhere. This is not your home anymore. You're a stranger. You're an alien. You're passing through. Richard passed through. We're passing through. We're sent ones. When the Holy Spirit came in us, the Father sent the, the, uh, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to be in us. Now we're sent ones. And apostolic, you guys know the word apostle, came from the word of the leadship in the Roman army, the leadership that led a fleet of ships to a conquered territory to make that territory like the home, Rome. So apostolic is to make this world like his world. We're to bring the essence of heaven, the virtues of heaven, the reality of heaven to earth. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit's in us. So what does that look like? Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. I may have forgot one. Self-control. The fruit of that world now lives inside of me if I just surrender to it. So when I tell my 10-year-old son, love today, my hope is he doesn't just do it with his discipline and his self-will, but he surrenders to the Holy Spirit, and now he has the power to walk in love. Does that make sense to everybody? I wanted, I wanted this one verse, and I've preached on this before, but it's, it's a revelation that I am really moved by, so I'm going to share it again. In John 17, he goes on, to verse 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Say, I am loved. Say, I am loved by God. All right. We, we can um, doctrinally explain it to people, but if we don't experientially know it, we don't walk in love. Jesus said, abide in my love. Just as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. So how do we like, step into the supernatural reality of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control when our spouse is ugly at us? <laughs> or our children disobey us? Or our parents are hypocritical? Or the pastor doesn't do well? Or whatever. <laughs> we surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If we don't, then our flesh takes over. Anybody been there before? <laughs> Five or six. Uh, well, I don't know. The rest of you holy ones need to come pray for me. <laughs> he says, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. So the answer here is the glory. The glory. So what is the glory? The Greek word is doxa, which means significant opinion or reason to be praised. That's the glory. Significant opinion towards or reason to be praised. So Jesus says, the glory that you've given to me, I've given it to my people. What does that look like? Second Peter 1, 
7 says, For we do not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory, somebody say honor and glory. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's the glory. He gave it to you. What's the significance of that? The same pleasure the Father has in the Son, He has in you. In Him I am well pleased. And the Shekinah glory came on Him, and Peter didn't know what to do, so he messed up. How can we get unified by treating one another with that reality? No matter their behavior, Ron is his beloved son whom he's well pleased. Bobby is his beloved son whom he's well pleased. Carla, his beloved daughter, whom he's well pleased. Brenda, my wonderful, beautiful wife, is the daughter in whom he's well pleased. It doesn't change based on behavior. It's based on their trust in Christ. The Holy Spirit has come and said, this is your glory. This is who you are. And if you don't walk in that revelation, you can't give the revelation away. If you treat your children like they have to perform, then they're going to be performance-oriented Christians, which is bummer. Because we just can't perform well enough. Anybody been there? That's what the world thinks religion is, and that is what religion is. This is why, this is why, like, somebody said, how did you raise your children to where they, like, they love God, they're serving God, they're following God, they're married children who love God, serve God, follow God. I said, I did everything I could. One of the things is try to get them in a place where they'd be baptized by the Holy Spirit, where they encounter the reality of God's love. Because the Word of God can teach it to me, but until I encounter the truth of the word, it's just religious doctrine. And we try to discipline ourselves into a Christian lifestyle, and it's not possible. How do you know One of the questions people say, well, how do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me? And, of course, I say, first of all, can you say Jesus is Lord? Because it says, unless a person have the Holy Spirit, you can't say Jesus is your Lord, right? Um, But there's tests of knowing whether the Holy Spirit is in you. And one of the tests is found in John chapter 3, verse 14. Look at this. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. How do I know if I'm a Christian? How do you know if you're a Christian? Do you love the brethren? No, I didn't ask if you went to church. I I didn't ask if you read your Bible. That's really good stuff. Important. 
I asked, do you love the brethren? You see, love looks like something. Like right now, um, Dina, Dina has um, COVID. She's the mom in the house. Um, Dina and uh, Jamie's brother, Charlie, is living with them right now. So they have three teenagers, Charlie, Ryan, who's a brother in this house, in the Lord, Ryan Wilson, and Dina. Guess who cooks in the house? Most houses, mom. Guess who's totally flat with COVID? Mom. Guess who, what household needs meals? These are your brethren. Love looks like something. We are members of a body. It's not about attending church. It's about being part of a joint that supplies strength to one another. Love looks like something, right? Uh, Love sacrifices. Love contributes, like I shared yesterday with the shoe giveaway. God loved the world that he gave. Love gives. And that's what we did yesterday which everybody that gave, and a lot of you couldn't go and you prayed at home, which is just as important, just so you know. How do I know I'm a Christian? I have a supernatural reality going on in my heart towards the brethren. Sometimes in the church, sometimes, not ever in this church, (laughs) you get hurt. Actually in this church too. And what happens is if we don't do well in forgiving, if we don't do well in releasing people from hurting us, then we, our heart starts protecting. And the more we protect, the less we, somebody say love. Because love is like vulnerable. Love is giving. Love is like, here I am. You may reject me, but I'm going to love. Isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? And so part of the reality of staying filled with the Holy Spirit is choosing when you get hurt to forgive. And forgive is more than a decision. How many of you know it's a process? It it does not necessarily happen because today I prayed to forgive. It's a process of letting the Father heal your heart as you continue to take that pain and put it back on the cross with the Father. And then if you keep doing that, pretty soon that pain, that thing that caused you pain no longer caused you pain. And in this room, when I talk about unity, there's some of us that need to walk through forgiveness to get back to that place where I'm filled with the Holy Spirit so I can love unhindered and my heart's not hard and crusty. Anybody? I mean, I'm in that journey right now in a situation. I'm just being tr- truthful with you. You know, pastors never get hurt, right? <laughs> and so I'm in the process of forgiveness right now. Because if I don't go through the process, my heart will get smaller and more callous, and it will be less available to love. Pray for me that I go all the way through the process, okay? (laughs) We know we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. Not because we go to church. Not because we signed up for a membership class. Not because we prayed a prayer. We know... We pass from death to life because we, I think I've said this before, love the brethren. What does love look like? Verse 16, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
But whoever has the world's goods and see his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? We know love because he first loved us. Amen? Here's, here's what I want us to do. We're going to take communion. Here's what I want the Holy Spirit to um, reveal to us. Is any place in my life that I'm carrying unforgiveness? Unforgiveness will lead to bitterness, and bitterness gives the devil a stronghold. And, and you don't want the devil to have a stronghold. Anybody agree with that? And, and so you have to, like, Holy Spirit, show me where I'm, I'm closing down any part of my heart because I'm disappointed this person treated me this way, or this church did this to me, or this pastor didn't acknowledge me, or my husband did this, my wife did this. I'm not saying forgiveness does not mean there's no boundaries put up. Please understand. There's sometimes boundaries are important too. But forgiveness says this. It says, I no longer am going to hold this against them, and I'm, I'm giving it back to you. I'm trusting that you will do whatever you need to help them, and I ask that you would bless them. I loose them from any debt they owe me. They no longer owe me anything. And Father, I'm asking for your love to touch them. And I'm asking that however you want to use me, I'm available. And I'm free. I'm free. Okay? So I want to, I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there any place where I've started to be crusty in my love? Am I vulnerable? Do I need a fresh encounter of, of Jesus' love for me? Um, do, do I need a fresh Holy Spirit abiding love? Like I need a fresh... That's why I think the, the church, our church, um, emphasizes encountering the love of God, not just knowing about the love of God doctrinally. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, um, we're going to go ahead and pass the sacraments, if we can do that. Um, and as they're passing, just, just, just go ahead, Tanner, do something. <laughs> and, uh, and, and let's just invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to just touch our hearts because we want to walk in love as he walked in love. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you you want to counter your people with fresh love. Today's abiding work of the Holy Spirit in this place. Father, reveal to us any place where we may have calloused hearts or we may be um, carrying unforgiveness. Help us, Lord, to walk through the process of letting people um, free from the ones that have hurt us, to set them free, set us free by setting them free. Just bring those people to mind, bring that situation to mind, and help us release it to you because you forgave us. Let's spend some time. Go ahead, pass the sacraments. Hold on to them, and we'll take them together.